his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. This is Issues 2018. I'm Steve McIntosh, and our guest is Tisha Darland, Director of Crisis and Outpatient Services for ComCare of Sedgwick County. Welcome to Issues 2018. Good morning. Did I get that uh, title about right? You did. Pretty close? definitely did. We've been hearing a lot about uh, suicide, really for the past few years. And today we want to demonstrate how big the problem is, what to look for when a person is possibly suicidal, and what can be done to prevent someone from taking their own life. First of all, a little background. What is ComCare? ComCare is the Sedgwick County's Community Mental Health Center, Steve. Um, every every county within the state has an assigned Community Mental Health Center. It's a federal mandate. And so ComCare is the name of the one here in Sedgwick County. So we serve all of Sedgwick County, not just Wichita. Is, is there any significance to, to ComCare, like commercial care or something like that? Just to I have no idea where that name came <laughs> from. It was here when I, go, when I, was, when I arrived okay, in 1999. Well, it's easy anyway. Yes. Uh, please, uh, if you would, uh, Tisha, share some of these uh, suicide rates nationally, statewide, Sedgwick County, whatever you got. I'd like to hear what what's uh, this gives us an idea. I think of how big the picture is. Right. Um, so, I will tell you that the numbers are increasing uh, fairly rapidly over the last few years. Um, I'll, I'll give you our local numbers first. So, in 2017, we had 96 uh, suicide deaths in Sedgwick County. So that is 18.9 suicide deaths per 100,000 Cedric County residents. And that's our highest rate on record since we started tracking these in 2001. Um, so Kansas, I just learned yesterday at a, a talk that I was with, Kansas is the fifth st- leading state for suicide deaths in the United States. Um, and so the numbers are just really, really increasing. Um, you know, it's suicide is not just a local problem. It's a global issue. Um, nearly one million people die from suicide every year. Steve. Back up the truck just a little bit there. Did you say Kansas? We ranked what? Fifth? Fifth. Holy mackerel. And you're scratching your head. Why are we number five? Uh, yes. I, you know, I think uh, there's lots of um, lots of assumed answers to that question. I think, you know, research is definitely needed in this area, but one of the one of the correlations is access to care. So we have a lot of rural communities. Um, people can't drive 50, 60, 75 miles to get to a counseling appointment or a, a crisis center. And so um, in the rural communities, it's really hard to get those services. That's interesting. So geography is kind of working against us on that. Huh? Yes. All right. Um, what, what's the most common means used uh, in suicide, Tisha? Uh, across the globe, it's, it's uh, commonly... There's not one means that somebody uses. No, the there's time. lots of means, but okay. the most common means for death by suicide is firearms. Okay. Now, I want to talk, let's get into the, who, who is involved here. I want to talk about what we call demographics. Um, who is most likely to commit suicide? What have you got for us there, Tisha? So... Um, 
gender-wise, it's always going to be males are uh, a higher rate of suicide. And that's because um, over time, they use the most lethal means, which is guns. Uh, women tend to use <clears throat> suffocation or poisoning, which would be hanging uh, overdose. So women attempt more than men do, Steve, but because of the leth lethality of the means, um, men uh, complete more often. That's <clears throat> very interesting to me uh, but uh, because you hear people attempting, and some people, I guess, uh, do you have anything like an average of, of a person, how many times a person might attempt? or I don't have that, but okay. the, the numbers show us that women attempt four times more often, you know, are more four times more likely to attempt suicide than men. Mm. Um, but because they're unsuccessful in it, they may attempt two to three times um, before actually completing suicide. and But hopefully there's some intervention in there that will stop them from yeah, attempting yeah. again before that. You talk about mostly men are more often. Uh, what about age? Is there an age factor here? There is an age factor. So um, in... Uh, in Sedgwick County, the age, the highest age range um, this past year was in the. Um, I can't read my own writing here. <laughs> uh, the mid mid range, like uh, males, white males, um, in middle age. Okay, middle age white males. Now, has that not been true for the past few years? I've done a couple of these programs, and some. For some reason, it strikes me that middle-aged males are pretty susceptible or more susceptible than other people, apparently. They are. Um, and, you know, we in Sedgwick County, our Sedgwick County Suicide Prevention Coalition um, started this year something that we're very excited about. We have always been able to get the demographics from our um, county medical examiner so we can know how people are completing, what age, what race, some of those things some of those things, but we don't have anything, we didn't have anything that would help us um, find out maybe some predictors. So um, we developed a new tool um, that is uh, really very, very much more thorough. And the coroner's office has given us approval to go there and review the entire chart of the person. So that could be the police um, report, uh, Unfortunately, we you know see the pictures, but that also could include the note. It could include statements from family. So we're able to take information from that and plug it into uh, this new data system. And so we're seeing some trends in the numbers that we did in 2017. Has that information not been available in the past, or is there some new law or something like that? No, we just didn't have uh, – we had access to the autopsy report, which just lists – more demographic kind of things and medical things. Yeah. Um, this actually takes some impressions from the um, responding officer, the family members, anybody else that they're able to interview. So we're able to find out some of the things that were maybe happening prior to the uh, suicide, um, you know, stressors, things like that that have been going on in that person's life. Is there any race that's more likely? You said white male. White. white. Uh, Caucasians are um, by far the most... Um, often completing. Okay. Uh, I know there's no simple answer, but here you go. Here's the big question. Why do people commit suicide? There is no simple answer. But no I, simple answer. No simple answer. What, what we learned by our research in 2017, which is just one year, so it's not, um, you know, not predictable and yes. not scientific, but in our community, um, loss seemed to be a big contributor. So, 
we loss meaning meaning various kinds of loss we had people that had recently lost a job uh recently their house was foreclosed on um a loss of a spouse um a loss of a child so some type of significant loss uh was a correlation in many of the deaths in in uh, Sedgwick County. Now, across the you know the world or across the nation, one of the things that we're finding more and more is a lack of connectedness. Um, so maybe people that are in a more of a marginalized, um, mm. they're more marginalized by society. So, so they don't have people around them a lot, and they don't have a. a, a uh, a group or a network or a social, they're not social. Right. Okay. So, you know, uh, a lot of people have wondered if bullying was a um, a predictor because we are seeing more and more talk about bullying, more and more people um, interacting on uh, social media, things like that. But what research is telling us is that it's not actually the bullying. It's more the marginalized group that that person that maybe bullying belongs to. So... Um, for instance, the LGBTQ community, um, uh, some races, people that are just different than um, their social norm mm-hmm. that feel outside, don't feel connected to others. Um, we see this a lot in kids uh, that maybe are you know, more artistic or more tech savvy and um, don't fit in with the you know, a smaller rural right. community's social norm of being an athlete or, a, you know, a cheerleader or popular, those kinds of things. And they feel separate, set aside, don't feel connected within their community, right. whether that's the community of the school, the town, whoever it is. Um, so then not to, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but does social media contribute to that? Because I would think, you know, we talk about social media and how the kids today, well, they don't know how to talk to each other anymore because they're doing this all the time. Have you looked into that at all? Well, actually, Facebook um, has done quite a bit of research on that themselves because they're trying very hard to combat that. Um, I think what we're seeing, you know, when when you and I were kids, if you didn't fit in with the community that you were in, there, that was your only choice. Yeah. Um, but with social media, there are other choices for kids to find somebody that they may connect with, you know, somebody that's similar to their interests. Right. So there's some um, features about social media that can actually combat uh, loneliness. Um, but then again, kids are not... Um, hmm. Able to talk one on one as yeah. easily Looking as others. Looking them in the face, going someplace and having fun together, things like that. Right. The social. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, you're listening to Issues 2018 on the Intercom radio stations, and our guest is Tisha Darlin, Director of Crisis and Outpatient Services for ComCare of Sedgwick County. Let me uh, just ask you a couple of questions about about Tisha Darlin for a minute. How long have you been with ComCare? I have been with ComCare off and on. I am going to say that since 1999. I started out there um, answering the suicide hotline part-time while I was uh, completing my master's program. And then I stayed there uh, for a couple of years full-time, and then I went over and was the mental health coordinator at the Eldorado Correctional Facility. Wow. But still worked part-time at Crisis. But that was an interesting job. It was a a great place to learn. (laughs) Really? Um, Well, you learned a lot then. I did learn a lot there. Um, but then I've been back as the as a leader in the Calm Care organization since 2008. What did you? Where are you from? I'm, I'm getting real nosy here. No, I'm from Belle Plaine, Kansas. From Belle Plaine, okay. Very small community south. Oh sure. Of, south. I know of Wichita. where Belle Plaine is. All right. Yeah. So uh, everyone, you know, can testify to having a bad mood now and then. Uh, mm-hmm. I even had one myself. 
several years ago. Many of us uh, have at least thought, I think, about suicide. But when can the individual know that it's serious and time to seek help? When do I know that I'm either you know, it's anxiety, depression, or how do I know for sure that I need to get some help? That's a great question. So what my answer to that would be um, pretty general, but I think it is when when the anxiety, depression, the suicidal thoughts, whatever you're experiencing are impacting your ability to function um, in your life, then it's definitely time to seek some support. So when I mean uh, inability to function, so maybe you're starting to call in sick to work or late to work or not able to enjoy your family, um, finding that your, you know, your energy is lacking, you don't really want to shower, um, you don't want to sit with the family and watch a movie, something that you enjoyed. So when you see some significant changes in your quality of life and your functioning, it's definitely time to seek some support. I'm just currently reading yet another book about Abraham Lincoln, mm-hmm. one of our greatest, I think, our greatest president. And Somebody that really he suffered from with melancholy, depression. or they called mm-hmm. it melancholy. Yes, they did. But he had a lot of reason. To, to, he had the world's weight on his shoulders, but uh, apparently he dealt with it some way, didn't he? He did, and, uh, you know, we talk about him in some mental health trainings that I have been a part of, and he is um, definitely somebody that suffered from significant depression and suicidal thoughts. And how much of this is there, you know, I've talked about depression, but some of that, is some of that chemical? Is there are things going on that not necessarily are what's going on around us, but something's going on in our brain? Absolutely. Okay. Um, so depression is not something that, Um, you can just get over independently on your own. Um, It is definitely a medical condition. And I think the sooner that our uh, company, uh, our country can, you know, get a grasp that mental health or behavioral health issues are medical problems, I think we'll be closer to to being a healthier community. Yeah, just people feel a stigma sometimes, don't they? Absolutely. You know, I talk about it is... You know, nothing for you and a close friend to sit down over a cup of coffee and talk about your sister's recent cancer diagnosis or something and what that, you know, what that's done to your family. But how many people do you know would sit down even with a close friend and talk about their sister's recent suicide attempt and how that's impacted the family? It's just not something that we as a nation are comfortable talking about. And we we need to. Yeah, I could sit down with my my classmates from high school and start talking about all kinds of. uh, uh, examinations we've had done and so right. forth, but uh, that's a different deal when you're talking about mental health. Yeah, and if you think about some of those conversations you've had, very rarely does anybody bring up anything that's related to mental illness. Yeah. Well, uh, what role, if any, can faith have in this? Uh, you know, in the belief of of God or something like that. Another great question, and I think it's um, that's a very individualized answer. So if faith, if your belief in a higher power helps you feel connected, mm-hmm. um, it's definitely a protective factor. Um, if, for example, you've had a strong faith throughout your lifetime and something happens where you lose your faith or start questioning your faith, then that can become, on the other hand, a risk factor. Um, I recently worked with somebody that uh, was very much questioning God's existence, mm. and if God still did exist, why was he causing him so much suffering? And so at that point, his faith was no longer a help to him. Mm. It was actually a risk because he was um, doubting wow. 
doubting his own uh, belief system. And do most people, when they do this, do they leave a note? We always have this stereotype that uh, how people do this, but uh, no, um, you know, there most some every now and then some or, some okay. leave notes. Um, I think, you know, when we do what's called a psychological autopsy, um, when you look back at the person's life after a suicide, there are almost always some type of warning sign. Yeah. Um, in the moment, sometimes you're not seeing that as a warning sign because it seems very isolated. But when you look back and, and have the knowledge that the person was suicidal, um, then you might pick up on it. And that's not to say that families or friends or anyone are to blame for missing those things. No, um, and that was my next question. What are, it's right here, what are the signs to look for uh, in your loved ones or people you know? I think, I think a change um, is a big thing. So if, if a person has always been kind of melancholy and moody and uh, then makes a change for the better, they are very hopeful and excited and their mood is just a drastic change, that's a concern. Um, and on the flip side of that, obviously, um, if the person's mood becomes um, more irritable, more depressed, more angry, talking about uh, death not even necessarily suicide, but talking about death, like, you know, I just can't do this anymore. Um, why doesn't God just take me? Uh, things like that are um, definitely overt suicidal statements. Um, one of the research factors that we know is chronic insomnia and chronic pain okay. are warning signs. Um, and if you think about that, if you've ever had a chronic pain issue and you can't get away from it, yeah. um, it can really create some uh, hopelessness and helplessness. Are there times when there are no warning signs? Nobody sees anything? Or? You know, I think that that happens far too often. And I think um, part of that is education to know what to look for mm-hmm. um, and to be asking the question. And that's the thing, if I could stress to people everywhere and you know, over time, that is the single most, um, the single thing that we can do to interrupt suicide is to ask the question mm-hmm. and not ask the question of, are you thinking about hurting yourself or harming yourself? You know, are you thinking about killing yourself? Are you thinking about your own death? Um, do you wish you were dead? Um, those seem very harsh questions. So you're saying this, go ahead, go ahead and ask those questions. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, those are pretty tough questions, right? They there. are. Um, but not asking yeah. and finding something out after the fact is far harder than asking the question. What role do drugs and alcohol play in this? Definitely substance use um, is a con- contributing factor. Um, anybody that is under the influence and is having thoughts is much more likely to act on those. You know, um, being uh, inebriated, either drunk or uh, under the influence of some substance, makes you more impulsive anyway. And so if you're experiencing suicidal thoughts, um, that can be the time that you actually act on them. Let's talk a little bit about the people who are related or know the people who have committed suicide, the survivors. I know that the reaction can be pretty uh, pretty intense if somebody – and even – Feelings of anger toward the person? Absolutely. Uh, it, it's by far the most complicated grief process. Um, and probably the biggest thing about it is the why. You can't get past the why. Um, 
even if you have a child die from something tragic like yeah. leukemia or something, you at least you at least have some answer as to why it happened. Um, but when when you have a family member complete suicide, um, the questions just go on for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And you know it is very hard. In fact, um, a study I recently read is that 135 people are affected by each suicide. It's a it's it creates a ripple effect. Um, if you think about a child, a, a high school student, every person in that high school has been impacted by that. What down help? to the custodian. What help is available? Lots of help. Lots of help. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of help. Um, you know, in our, within our community, we're blessed to have the Comcare's Community Crisis Center, where you can see somebody face to face. You can see a counselor face to face, twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. Wow. Um, not all communities have that, but all communities have access to the National uh, Lifeline. Uh, we're actually a Lifeline Center. We're only one of two centers in Kansas that are a Lifeline Center. So anybody that calls the one eight hundred number. Um, will be connected to uh, a local person here in Sedgwick County. But there's help at schools. I mean, you know, you can call 911 if you are at a point that you don't know who to call and you can't find the number and you can't remember who they told you to call, call 911 and let them know, and they will get you connected to the closest crisis center in your area. You have a hotline, don't you? We do have a hotline. What's what's that number? It's 660-7500. Okay. It's yeah, answered six, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Okay. And, and we get about 80,000 calls a, a year. Really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, so and those of us who have lost somebody, is there help for them? Do you have uh, some guidance, some groups, anything like that? Actually, we have a wonderful um, survivors of suicide group here in Wichita. Uh, it's not run by ComCare. It's run by Good Grief of Kansas. And everybody that's connected to that group has just said that it has been the one thing that has helped them survive it. Um, Everybody that's in that group has lost a family member or a close friend to suicide. So it's that lived experience and and being able to see somebody that's farther along in the healing process that can give you some hope that uh, you you will survive this. Is this topic a no-no in schools? Do schools kind of not even do anything about it, or they? No, um, they are trying very, very hard to okay. um, to make a difference. Uh, you know, different communities look at this problem differently, Steve, which is is one of the um, complicating factors. So, but I think that in Kansas right now, with the attorney general has um, tasked us with an initiative to reduce youth suicides in Kansas. And so that is involved, uh, involving lots of communities, lots of schools, lots of um, people that work with kids trying to put their heads together and see what do we need to do to fix this. Yeah, I've, my understanding is ComCare, yes, you're there, but there are other groups. You, you talk to a lot of people. There's a kind of a network there, is there not? Other groups and so forth. There is. Um, we have been blessed to have a, a community initiative that was actually initiated by uh, Sheriff Easter, and he got lots of us on board. You know, we've got ComCare, we've got all the hospitals, we've got the schools, we've got private providers, um, and we're just trying to work hard to um, combat mental illness as a whole and how it impacts our community. Um, suicide is a piece of that. Um, unfortunately, it's a big piece. But there are lots of things that our um, community is working towards to together, which is a good thing. A, a lot of other communities in Kansas are not 
near as far along as we are in being on the same page that we have to solve this to, by working together. Lots of education is involved, and you, you're at it all the time. That's what you do, right? Yes, yes. Get out and get out the word. What's going on? How does this work? So we are fortunate. Um, we have mental health first aid instructors. I'm, I'm actually one of them myself. Uh, we teach adult mental health first aid, youth mental health first aid, mental health first aid for seniors, for law enforcement. We have assist trainers. Um, those trainings are offered uh, all the time through the year and are on our Facebook page. Okay, that's all we have time for. Our guest is Tisha Darlin, Director of Crisis and Outpatient Services for ComCare of uh, Sedgwick County, and we've been talking about suicide today. Thanks for being with us, Tisha. Thank you for I the opportunity. learned a lot today. That's all for Issues 2018. We'll be back next week. I'm Steve McIntosh. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone.